0: Those of us who cover the Chicago Bears can sometimes get caught up in the nitty-gritty and the day-to-day. So today, I want to get the perspective of someone who did his homework on the Chicago Bears, but might not have the same sort of biases or preconceived notions than those of us who are around the team all the time. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we especially love our everydayers that are tuning in five days a week for your Bears fix. On the show today, we're going to take advantage of our friends at Locked On NFL Scouting to get more of an outsider's perspective on this Bears team with Joe Marino. He used to work for the Draft Network, now doing Locked On NFL Scouting here on the Podcast Network. So he, he knows football. Through and through, but as part of their work on the podcast, they've been going team by team doing deep dives on the film and the offseason moves for every player and every team. And so this week they did the Chicago Bears as part of their Monday podcast. And I wanted to talk to Joe about. Justin Fields, what he, show, what he saw last season and what kind of development he still needs to make this upcoming season. The rebuilt Bears offensive line, the new bolstered Bears wide receiving core, some changes in the Bears backfield that Joe Joe's pretty excited about there. And then maybe some concerns on this Bears defense, some question marks up front and a lot of youth on the back end that could go poorly and, and could go well, depending on how some of these key players develop. Joe knows football. I think there's a lot we can learn from him and from his analysis of this Bears team that I think generally, I really, really think he, he's getting nailing this one on the head. It really aligns with a lot of the kind of, thing, the kind of things I see, but takes it from a slightly different perspective. So let's jump right in. Joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is Joe Marino. He's the host of Locked On Bills here in the Locked On Podcast Network, as you can see by his hat here on the YouTube channel. But he's also the host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Here on the lockdown podcast network where they look at every team, the entire league, but more from like a team building roster construction perspective. And of course, they just did a Chicago bears breakdown for Monday's podcast this week. So we had to have Joe on to talk about it. You can follow him on Twitter at the Joe Marino, Joe, welcome back to lockdown bears. We just had you on to talk about Tremaine Edmonds, not that long ago, but, uh, you got back into some bears tape. How was that experience overall?
1: Yeah, we were excited to get into the Bears, obviously, year two of Matt Eberflus, year three of Justin Fields, uh, a team that has a lot of new pieces, right? A pretty active offseason, whether it was trades, spending a bunch of money on free agents, obviously 10 draft picks added to the mix here. And so this is one of the teams we were excited about. We put it on a Monday for a reason. We figured it would be a good one and glad to extend the conversation here on Lockdown Bears today with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I listened through you and Kyle talking about it. And and first of all, like big picture. Agreed with the vast majority of it. I really think you guys were were spot on. So I can't encourage listeners enough to to go check out that podcast on Lockdown NFL Scouting, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. Let's start with Justin Fields, though, because I think. I really like the way you guys talked about fields in particular, right? I think it's it's the right sort of nuanced approach of like, here's so much we hear either like, oh, he's going to be the MVP this year or he's terrible, he's a bust and he's never going to be good because his passing numbers were so bad this season. I like, I like the way you guys talk about like the, the need for development with him where it's like it's not about the ability to like read a defense per se, but you also need to speed up. So I guess the, the way I want to frame this to you is like, would you describe it as like he needs to speed up his process but not his processing. Like, like, how do you sort of, mm-hmm. how do you sort of d- d- differentiate where Justin Fields needs to grow?
1: Well, Lauren, I know we're going to get into a lot of this, um, but I feel like the starting point of the Justin Fields conversation coming into this year and coming out of last year is how can the Bears be better around Justin Fields, right? And so I think mission accomplished there in so many ways with what they've done with the offensive line, running back room. I mean, they've been, they've upgraded every position: receiver, tight end, running back, O line. It's all better. So that's great. We like that. And I like Luke Getze. Right. So there's there's a nice foundation to work from with the improved infrastructure and a coach that I really like in Luke Getze. Then you kind of get to Justin Fields and you're like, okay, well, how can he take a step? What do we like? How can he take the step forward that everybody wants him to in year three? And I think I do cling to a lot of the dynamic stuff that we love, the ability to run, the ability to improvise and create off script the ability to hit some really, really impressive throws down the field, right? There's a big play component to Justin Fields that I absolutely love and, and everybody should love. And so you're now kind of wondering, okay, well, what's next? And it, I think it is just being able to speed up his process. And, and one thing that Kyle really went into on our podcast was the cadence, particularly with some of the quick stuff. And again, I like the talent around him now to execute some of the quick stuff, but there was probably some issues that we identified with just the rhythm with his drops and the footwork and being able to be synced up with the route concepts and putting himself in good positions from a footwork perspective to get the ball out of his hands and get his hand out of his hands on time and accurately to his, his weapons, particularly when working kind of the quick stuff. And it's not that he doesn't know where to go with the football. It doesn't, it's not that he doesn't make good decisions. It's just a, Picking up the pace with the cadence and the rhythm of what he's trying to do, and as that happens, as he becomes more aligned with the protection scheme, more aligned with the routes and their landmarks, he's going to be in better positions to get the ball out on rhythm, accurately, and into the hands of you know a, a supporting cast that we feel a lot better about right now than we did last year.
0: Yeah, it feels like it should be easier to be on better timing with receivers when you when you've got better receivers now that you can trust to be at their landmarks on time when you need them to guys like you know DJ Moore coming over from the Carolina Panthers I know you were a big fan of him in Carolina and and I feel like we we in Chicago don't necessarily like we we've never had really good wide receivers I've been mean, Brandon Marshall for a little while there but like we haven't had a number 1 wide receiver in a while come in and be like the guy there and I I don't know that we can comprehend the type of impact fully that that can have on a quarterback and I'm curious too with your perspective with uh, Stefan Diggs coming to the bills for Josh Allen a few years ago like just how monumental can something like this be when it pushes all the other receivers down one on the depth chart and just gives you something that's that much more reliable that your quarterback knows he's always going to be there when I expect him to be there where I expect him to be
1: yeah I think it's huge you want to have a weapon in your passing game that you can really funnel the passing game through and That hasn't existed yet for Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears. It now does in the form of DJ Moore. And I'm a big DJ Moore fan going all the way back to his time at Maryland. And I live in Charlotte. And so I've had a great opportunity to really appreciate the player that he is. Um, And I go to Panthers camp all the time and, and well, well acquainted with the type of teammate he is, the type of practice habits he has. And then of course the, you know, what he's shown on the field. But my favorite thing about DJ Moore is just how, no matter what the circumstances have been, whether it's Maryland, whether it's Carolina, the guy has been able to produce, and, the, and he's really yet to have top-tier quarterback player, even, I mean, even above average quarterback play or average quarterback play. I mean, at Maryland, they're down to like, they were well down to like their third quarterback within the first few games of the season as last year there. He was the only Big Ten receiver that season to get 1,000 yards. It was him at Maryland. And then he goes to Carolina, and we know what the revolving door has been there over the last few years at at quarterback, but he still finds ways to produce. He's one of the most productive young receivers in the history of the NFL, Right? what he's been able to do to this point. And so I love that. I love that about him, and he's a do-everything player. There's not limitations here. He's a guy that can uncover quick. He can get vertical. He's got ball skills. He can win in contested situations. He's really good with the ball in his hands. And so that component plus the age here – I mean, there's just a lot to love about his insertion into this lineup. And there were just times where I I was watching the offense in our study for our conversation on Monday, and I'm like, yep, DJ Moore is a better option for that play. And now they have him. And like you said there, there's a domino effect here where now everybody kind of takes a step down you know, Mooney. And and I think he's a very good complimentary receiver to DJJ Moore. I love Emmanuel Mooney. Darnell. And then even Chase, Emmanuel Mooney. Darnell Mooney. I'm sorry about that. Yes. Cole Komet, even same things. These guys are going to benefit from DJ Moore being in there. I think there'll be a lot more efficiency across the board for Justin Fields in this passing game. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by
0: Built Bar, the world's best tasting protein bars. And I know I eat a Built Bar Every single day. I actually just placed a reorder for a new flavor to get their very vanilla built bars. I haven't gotten to try those yet. And I'm really excited to because built bars are delicious. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They taste like candy bars, but somehow built bars are also actually good for you. They're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It's truly the best of both worlds, the nutrients of a protein bar, but the deliciousness, the sweet treat, the the guilt-free snack of a candy bar. I don't know how they do it, but you got to check them out for yourself. You can get all the amazing flavors at built.com, or you can get them even sooner in person at your local Walmart or Sam's club. If You head over into Walmart near their pharmacy section. You can get a four bar box of their cookies and cream bar, their double chocolate bar, or their coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's club, you can run in there and get a 13 bar box of two of my all time favorite flavors, the Brownie batter puff and the churro puff. Try them for yourself. Tasting is believing and you will thank me later. We're talking with Joe Marino here from Locked On NFL Scouting and Locked On Bills here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And as we talk about this this Justin Fields supporting cast, obviously a, a, an investment in the offensive line this offseason with Darnell Wright in the first round and Nate Davis in free agency. You guys, I really like the way you described it on the podcast that the Bears have some people movers on yeah. the offensive line. They're, they're going to be able to run block pretty well maybe still some questions about pass protection just in terms of guys needing to develop there, but like how would you sort of compare as you guys have done these individual team deep dives? I know you're not through the entire league yet, but like comparatively this offensive line to to other teams in the league, does it feel, you know, more middle of the pack? Or I guess, especially when you're talking about like being stronger in the running game and and weaker in the pass protection, I guess what level of confidence do you think we should have in this group?
1: Well, we're through eight teams, so we got a lot of ground to cover still, but I will say this. I mean, we, we've looked at a lot of offensive lines and we're generally familiar with all of them, right? This yeah. is just kind of a really just take the time to really get, you know, familiar with, with each team. What's unique about the Bears is that there's not a position outside of Darnell Wright, who's a top 10 pick as a rookie, where we don't have them graded as at least an adequate starter. And that's part of what we're doing is we're categorizing every player on every roster as either a roster cornerstone, quality starter, rookie, adequate starter, replacement level, quality depth, so on and so forth. There's different tiers for every player. And in Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair and Nate Davis, we have them as adequate starters, right? That's a nice baseline to know that you have that. For Tevin Jenkins, we put him in the bucket of quality starter. Like we've seen enough from Tevin Jenkins to believe that this can be an impact starting guard. And then even Braxton Jones as a rookie, we went ahead and labeled him an adequate starter. That's that's pretty rare. Usually we want a little bit more of a sample size to uh, put a, a one-year player, you know, that's all we have, into that type of bucket. But I think we're really comfortable with with what he's shown. And so now you just, your wild card's your top 10 pick that we know is going to be able to come in and be an impact run blocker. Obviously, some of the pass pro stuff, you have some questions there, but watch him against Will Anderson if you want to feel good about uh, his pass pro upside. And if he can get his hands on you, you know, he's He's really—I mean, his clamps are really, really firm, I and mean, he—nobody's going through his cylinder, right? You got to test his edges, and you got to win with speed against Darnell. Uh, but I think that they have a really good group here, and for a lot of these other units, you know, they got guys that are starting that we label as quality depth. They have guys that are starting that we have incomplete evaluations, replacement level starters. We don't feel that way about the Bears, and then I think the other side of that that's important for us to mention is that now you have good depth players in Lucas Patrick, you have good depth player and Larry Borum, who's been able to hold his head above water, despite, you know, not a whole lot of fans coming out of college and, you know, he's had his opportunities and I think he's been reasonable. Um, And so there's a couple of nice depth pieces here. We'll see with Alex Leatherwood, right. We'll see, but there's a lot more to this offensive line that we like, Right now than we certainly did last year, and I think they run blocked pretty well last year. I think collectively you want to see the growth in the pass blocking department.
0: I know you're also a big fan of what the Bears have going on in the backfield, and I, you were teasing sort of a. Oh, I don't know if it's. I don't even know if it's a hot take when you add when you add the the rookie draft pick in there, but that. You lose David Montgomery, you add Dante Foreman and, and Roshan Johnson, and it's, it's an improved Bears yep. backfield. A, another former Carolina Panther that I know you've seen a little bit of, but of course, Foreman was in was in Houston and stuff before that. I guess, what, what gets you excited about that group in particular and, and
1: Foreman at the top? Well, I'm a big fan of Deontay Foreman. Loved him coming out of Texas, and then he had that Achilles injury, which is typically the kiss of death for running backs, but... Deonta Foreman said, "I don't care about it. Right? I'm going to be the exception here." And the dude comes in two years ago and replaces Derrick Henry. Lauren, that rushing offense was every bit as good with Deonta Foreman as the lead back than it, as it was with Derrick Henry. And then he goes to Carolina. They, you know, trade away Christian McCaffrey, and that running back situation was every bit as good with Foreman <laughs> as it, you know as it was with McCaffrey, right? And so I, I just think he's a good football player, and obviously he's big and physical and he's explosive, and I I, just, I really like the way that he plays the game. And I don't I mean, I'm not sure there's a drop off from him to David Montgomery. I think he might even be a a more dynamic version of a of a David Montgomery player. And I thought there was just times where Montgomery was C3, get three. You know, it just there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot that really moved the needle for me. I thought he was very average. And so you have him now to go with Khalil Herbert, who I I, I mean, Bears fans know who he is. Right. He's exciting as a complimentary player. Roshan Johnson is a nice mid-round draft pick. And then even Travis Homer, who has some athleticism can pass block, can catch it a little bit, will be an impact special teamer. I think that this running back situation is objectively better right now than it was coming out of 2022.
0: Yeah, and after uh, David Montgomery had some quotes just the other day too, saying like, yeah, he was getting tired of losing in Chicago and he's not enduring himself to the fan base anymore. So I don't think there's going to be too many hard feelings in that transition. But Joe, there might be a little bit, I don't if hard feelings with the right word, but the, the downside here with the Bears, is sort of the elephant in the room when we talk about this Chicago Bears roster and move over to the defensive side of the ball. This defensive line is bad. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around it. And I, I was gonna ask, like, I know you've only done eight teams. So I was gonna ask, like, is this the worst defensive line in the NFL right now? I know you're generally, uh, uh, you know, up on every team's defensive line, and we'll see exactly what the rest of the offseason look like. Still time to add more there, but like,
1: is is this as bad as it gets? The Cardinals might have something to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, this is a concern. Like jokes aside, it's it's not good enough. This is a situation where I see a lot of depth players. I don't see I don't see a whole lot in the way of starting caliber players that would be preferred starters, right? Maybe Andrew Billings is probably your best option there. Who, um, over the last couple of years, has been a reasonable A gap defender. But I mean, Justin Jones, Demarcus Walker, Rasheen Green, these guys don't move the needle for me. You know, Travis Gibson, I thought two years ago was a decent reserve player. And then you know he was asked to do more last year. Really didn't take a step. You know Dom Robinson, interesting toolsy draft pick from last year. But I, you're really you're really to me in trouble with this D line. You know hopefully Dexter, you know Gervin Dexter and, and Zach Pickens as you know day two picks with some athletic upside can can realize their ceiling and potential very quickly. But yeah, this is a concern for me with this with this roster. I, I I'm sure it is for just about anybody that that's familiar with these players. It's it just feels very very underwhelming. What kind of what kind of ripple effect
0: can that have in particular uh, on this defense? And I know you, we we had you on to talk about Tremaine Edmonds this this past offseason, like this past March when the Bears signed him yeah. and how how much like he improved when the defensive line in Buffalo got got better, and now he's coming to Chicago where it's going to be a bit worse. But but also a lot of young guys in the secondary that the you know draft picks this year and last year and not a lot of experience overall at that position. Like how. Like how 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 much is this a concern beyond just hey it's not it's not good that you're not gonna be able to rush the passer that well but then also it makes everybody else's job more difficult
1: yeah no no question about it that's the concern here especially I mean look at these linebackers what what they've paid to have Tremaine Edmonds and T J Edwards both players that I, I like a ton I mean I came on a couple I guess it was a couple months ago and talked about Tremaine Edmonds and raved about him and I meant every word that I said but there's one thing that Tremaine's not necessarily a strength of his game and that's being a take on downhill player and. You, you kind of expect that for like his size, six, 250 pounds. Like you think he'd be a good physical downhill player, but he's, he's really never been able to be consistent with stacking and shedding and block deconstruction. He's a guy that, you know, is really going to be at his best when he can run free. And that's true for just about any linebacker, right? That's not like a unique thing to Tremaine Edmonds, but I wouldn't say that bleak, block de- deconstruction is a strength of his game. And so I think you kind of spoil what you have there. And especially TJ Edwards. I mean, the – the transition from playing behind the Philly defensive line to this is, is very, very significant. Yeah. And he's not a guy that has, you know, plus athleticism. So I, I think you, you kind of spoil your investments at linebacker and then, you know, you got some, some exciting youth in the secondary, but I mean, these guys are gonna have to cover for a while, right? They're, I mean, you, you want your rush and your, your coverage to be married up. Right. And, and I, I am nervous that there's not enough pass rush potential here uh, to take, take heat off of a, a young defensive backfield that has a lot of talent, but you know, they're going to be stressed with uh, the amount of time that they're going to have to cover.
0: Let's talk about that young defensive backfield a little bit. You know, last season, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker stepped into to big starting roles pretty much right away. And I, I don't know, it felt to me like the two of them were on a fairly, I don't want to say opposite, but very, a little different tracks as far as how well they played and how I guess optimistic I am. I, I want to start with Kyler Gordon though. Like, it's tough for a rookie cornerback to be thrown in the NFL and, and playing against, you know, big time wide receivers and to, to thrive in that spot, especially as as you mentioned, like even the defensive line last year was not that great. It's not like it got much worse this offseason. It just didn't get much better. So I don't know how, how much do you look back at Kyler Gordon last year and say legitimate concerns about how well he's translating to the NFL and how much of that is like, well, you know, he was in a kind of a tough spot and it was a difficult ask of him anyway to play slot and on the outside.
1: Yeah, I, I think. You kind of hit on some of my key points already. First Sorry. of all, playing no, he played both, right? Because I, I yeah. was in depth with the Bears all year last year. They're part of my pro scouting responsibilities. And I was interested in that Kyler Gordon evolution where, you know, that's a lot. Those are different positions, right? It's not it, I think we we are the Madden society of just kind of plugging in guys, playing in the slot and playing outside. There, it's a it's a different position altogether, right? I mean, you have run fit responsibilities in the nickel, you know, you you're you have different coverage alignments and and spacing on the outside it's that's a hard ask and if I'm not mistaken with Kyler coming out of Washington I mean he wasn't necessarily like a super experienced player right so there was there's I mean that was a big ask for him and I think it's good that he was able to show some high level moments I'm certainly clinging to that and I think that kind of failing forward is helpful right so I think he'll be better for his experiences that he had last year and I thought that there was some good stabilization at times Um, and so I think a more defined role for him this year with a season under his belt. Uh, we'll position him to be, you know, to be a guy that takes a step in, in 2023.
0: And on the reverse of that, uh, you, you raved a bit about Jaquan Brisker in, in your podcast there with, with Kyle on Monday. Uh, what did you see about him that was so encouraging? And where do you sort of see then the, the trajectory from here?
1: One of my favorite things about Jaquan Brisker, and I guess this is kind of a blanket statement for 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 young players in general, is, you know, I think about the player watch at Penn state and why I really liked him as a prospect. And then, Oh, cool. I saw the same stuff with, with him in the NFL, right? You want to see translatability of, of what a player brings to the table. And so whether it was being physical and playing downhill and and being able to tackle or some of those, you know, high level moments of, of playing the ball and, you know, being disruptive at the catch point, you saw that from Brisker. And I thought, you know, his play really, I thought we saw the best Eddie Jackson that we've seen in three years last season And I thought that went hand in hand. And so I'm excited about how that pair can, can grow together. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, he was a more consistent, consistently impactful player throughout the season last year than what we saw from Kyler Gordon. So I guess sort of
0: big picture, I know you guys weren't doing these podcasts as a way of like, you know, ranking how all the teams are going to pan out or anything like that, but I don't know where do you sort of see where expectations should be on a Bears team like this, where it's like, yeah, a lot of stuff is better around fields in the offense, but you know, a lot of youth and a lot of question marks on defense. I guess where does that sort of leave how, how we should expect this team to perform this season?
1: Well, I mean, we you're right in that we haven't done this necessarily for that purpose, but we're getting there, right? So once we get the entire league evaluated, we're going to have so much content that we can branch off with that where we get into some win-loss predictions and we... Uh, We even take the time to now that we've categorized every player, that means we've categorized every position group and we can really look at how those stack up and do some really fun comparative stuff uh, with, you know, with with the rosters entering the season so we can have the right expectations and mindset for these teams. And so um, I think that the 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 good news here is that I think this team is better. I think their talent is better. Objectively, Uh, you like that there's young players uh, that are, you know, rookies, but also guys that are entering their second and third season that that are appealing. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to sit here and say, do I think the bears are a playoff team? I think they can be right. It's, it's I mean, is that impossible? I was talking with the Packers fan, literally I had a Packers fan over last night for dinner. We had steaks and uh, we were, he was, you know, of course, I'm the football guy. We're talking about the Packers. And he's like, what do you think? I was like, well, I don't know. You're in competition with like Seattle and the giants and the Vikings to, to potentially be the seventh or sixth seed. Why can't the bears be part of, part of the conversation? Right. I mean, um, a lot of turnover in the division, the NFC, you know, is, is not, um, a stacked conference by any means, you know, I, I mean, why can't, why can't the bears be last year's giants or last year's Seahawks? Right. I, I think it's, I think it's possible. I'm not ruling it out, but it, as I, as I get excited about that, I also am reminded by this defensive line. And I, I, I get <laughs> nervous about being able to win, you know, win up front on defense that to the degree that they're going to need to, um, to have that type of success. But I, I think this is at a minimum, an, an improved team. I mean, could they could they double their win total? Sure. I mean, could they do a little better than that? Yeah, and I think that's good growth uh, for year two of Matt Aberflus. Excellent. Well, your analysis has been, like I said, spot on from everything that I've seen from the Bears
0: and everything you've seen from the Bears. We've been aligned in a lot of ways on this, and I've really enjoyed hearing you and Kyle talk about it on Monday's Locked On NFL Scouting podcast. You touched on a little bit there, like, some of the things you guys are planning to do with the podcast this off season, but could you give us a little bit more of a timeline of like, okay, you're going through the teams now and, and then what, and how will the rest of the off of lockdown NFL scouting look for you
1: guys. So right now we're weaving together um, these teams, right? We're going through each team. We just did the bears with some of the big time prospects, you know, the Caleb Williams, the Marvin Harrison's, the Olu Fashanus, right. So we're going to, you know, spend some time getting acquainted with the top prospects, in the 2024 draft, but by about mid-July, we're going to be done with all the teams. And then that leads us into okay, let's start ranking the quarterbacks. Let's rank the offensive lines, the the defenses, the uh the rosters in general, the rosters minus quarterbacks, right? There's so many different conversations we can have as we kind of work through the training camp and get into what everyone's waiting for. And that's a 2024 NFL or 2023 NFL season.
0: Well, we're excited about the 2024 season here in Chicago as well. That That's supposed to be the bigger championship window. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And at
1: this point, we'll have you on again in a couple months to talk about something. <laughs> Sounds good, Lauren. Always a pleasure talking football with you.
0: Thanks again to Joe Marino from Locked On NFL Scouting and Locked On Bills for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, if you learned a little something, Make sure you hit that subscribe button on Lockdown NFL Scouting, but also, of course, here on Lockdown Bears on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth chicago bears news and analysis thanks for making locked on bears your first listen today we're part of the locked on podcast network that's your team every day we love our everydayers that really live through to that slogan your team your chicago bears every single day because then every day you get your next opportunity to bear down